like wanting to be heard and like just wanting to, you know, talk and be listened to is what the emotional realness types are all about, which a six would be about. A five is more likely to um, retreat and want to be able to completely take care of it on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a competency type. They're very much about like, I can do this. I don't need anyone's help in this. I'm going to figure it out and find the solution. So just leave me in my study. And sixes are like, will you effing listen to what I have to say? everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Mace. Welcome to episode 140C. Not a question. 140C, Ben Campbell, yeah. the wizard, is in I, the house. I, I, I hope as we go forward with No Small Thing, which we are doing, we're going forward, Ben becomes maybe perhaps our most consistent cycling through figure. Yes. Well, and stay tuned after the sabbatical of the Enneagram, Ben and I will be doing a series mm-hmm. on the missing point. <laughs> I think peace, <laughs> but maybe you're right. We always get it wrong. Both I of us always get it wrong. Get it wrong. No, I know. I the used to, piece? I know I yeah. used to think it was the hidden yeah. point. So I think it is the missing piece. <laughs> But Ben and I will be doing a series together and Scott will maybe join us. We'll see here and there, but around growth. Once you know, like, like kind of like taking the Enneagram and moving it out of the intellectual space and into another space, I think. (laughs) This sounds very vague. So sorry. Ben is certified with the Enneagram Institute, Risa Hudson. And, uh, also Ben's mom has been an Enneagram teacher for, I think a many, lot of years, many, many, many years. Also an Enneagram for, we'd love to talk to her as well. Mm-hmm. We're big fans of Ben. Ben's been on before as our sixth guest. Um, we, how do you say this? Like really trust Ben. We, I, th- yes. Of all the people that we interviewed, we, I feel like Ben knows us the most mm-hmm. and Ben is like a, Ben is both a teacher and a very much a friend. Like we've had a few Zooms with Ben outside of interviews mm-hmm. and we know him in a little bit more of an intimate way, I think. Calls himself a wizard, oh, which I celebrate. We absolutely love this. I I agree. I think in terms of trust, like Ben, there is a safety. I just know I feel mm-hmm. when Ben is talking about the Enneagram with me and mm-hmm. it's just, it's undescribable. <laughs> Well, you just described it, so it's describable. Okay, I didn't fully describe it, though. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, I mean, it's somewhat like, I guess what we probably both agree on saying is like, how do you ultimately describe why you feel safe with someone? That's right, hard it's hard to describe. But yeah, Ben is very curious. Ben takes a lot of time. I think... The most thoughtful person. So thoughtful, um, so present, so wise, you know, as... Mace and I have continued to try to remind ourselves throughout this whole process that we also do know the Enneagram. We might not be certified by anybody, but like we spent a lot of time reading and researching and talking. And so when Ben talks about the Enneagram, we're not like, who is this guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like Ben obviously knows what he's talking about. He always brings some sort of new thought that we haven't heard before, but he also really intently listens to us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so nice. It is so, so nice. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I think it's really interesting when you're working with people, like they're like, I'm not that invested in what your type is. You know, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. And I think that's true when working with Ben, but I sense, um, Ben is also maybe Ben and I are like the same age and we're kind of in doing the Enneagram work at this young age. And I sense him, like, I'll just speak for myself, like looking out for me in like my journey and like what will work and what's good for me. And like, I'll say after this interview with Ben, I think it was within the next two days that I like had to come to you and was like, I think I need to stop 
trying to figure out what type I am on the Enneagram. Like, I think I need to take a break and I think I need to take care of myself. And I think, gosh, I'm getting really emotional. Like, I think this interview and talking to Ben that day, like helped me to like, see that like I could take care of myself or I needed to, I could slow down and pause. And like, mm-hmm. that's what the work of the Enneagram is in a lot of ways is like being present and like yeah. being more aware and not being caught up in like the intellectualism of it, of it and being caught up in all of this, like these experts and all this information. I think like talking with him, like helped me to see like what the root of it is. And like, it's such a long journey and such a big process and I don't need to know it all right away. And yeah. like, I feel like he helped me to see that I was like putting a lot of pressure on myself and I could just like live in like, I could just live, you know, just live and that would be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might be kind of cool because we turned off the mics for this interview, but like we kept the zoom going. So I think a lot of the four conversation and a lot of the mace conversation happened post recording. So that's not going to happen in this episode, but we could post it on YouTube, honestly. Like yeah. the conversation kept going and we had some really good moments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it was after that moment, but like, let's not forget to live. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Enneagram is in everything, mm-hmm. everybody. It's it's helpful. And we've always said from the very, very, very beginning, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, pick it up when you need it. Put it down if you're not feeling it for a little while. So, um, I mean, I think the main focus of this episode is talking to Ben about potentially maybe being a six. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's sort of the flavor of this episode, but it's also just good for you to hear Ben's approach and compare yeah. contrast to that, to Beatrice and big hormone and eventually Suzanne. And maybe that's what we're going to be doing over the next year or two or indefinitely is like really getting the full range of all these teachers and trying to figure out how they're all approaching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, Ben, big fan. So excited for you to hear this episode. Yeah, this is a goodie. Hope you enjoy. have the wizard with us um and we're gonna try to start this conversation everybody talking to ben about what my type is <laughs> um maybe i'll just give you a, we pulled a, the rings we got like a six in the house 60 minute 60 second 60 second intro my, my journey so you know we we discovered the enneagram like three or four years ago um i read the types i thought i was a four you know, that's the one I sort of instantly resonated with. Um, I, I think at the time I was in, in, in sort of a dark place. So I, I kind of was resonating with a little, bit, a little bit more sad and depressed and melancholy and emotional. Um, then I took the test and five came out strongest on my test and four came out right underneath five. And the interesting thing for me is that like six has always been at the very bottom of these tests. So I didn't really look deeply into six and spent time looking at fives and fours and, and landed on five. And, and of course, for the last three years, I've been intensely exploring five and it feels mostly true to me. Um, and I think with all types in terms of descriptions and stuff, there's always some little caveats of like, well, that's not totally me, but generally speaking, yeah, I resonate with the five and then adding all these layers onto it of, um, you know, resonating with five wing four, then resonating with a sexual five. Um, and I think maybe one of the things we're discovering is we don't actually understand subtypes or wings or something. Cause I, cause I think sexual five and five wing four was helping me wrap my head around me being a little bit more emotional than a quote unquote typical five, um, a little bit more relational or intense in terms of one-on-one relationships than a quote unquote typical five. Um, so I had found some ways to explain myself 
and and wasn't even really finding a lot of points to relate to with maybe even having a six wing. So it's it's mm-hmm. strange to mm-hmm. think about sixness in terms of like I, I I would have said up until now that I have a very undeveloped six wing or underdeveloped mm-hmm. six wing. So for so for so so to be in this state where I'm like, am I actually a six? <laughs> is a very strange state to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's some context. I don't know where you'd mm-hmm. want to take the conversation from there. Well, what did what did you think a six was that you um, learned? Well, oh, I'm going to record on this computer just so I have two places of recording. Um, I, you know, looked at these sort of fixes and these passions and stuff like that. And, uh, the, the sort of extreme fear or phobia behind a six and maybe even the future forecasting, Mm -hmm. uh, that's not something I totally related to. I mean, I think everybody has fear inside of Mm -hmm. them. So I can, I can look back in my past and be like, Oh, there were moments where I was afraid, but I've never really been one to worry about the future. I don't really worry about losing relationships. You know, I, I love people, but, um, I find it hard to miss people. I don't do a lot of time cultivating and maintaining my relationships. You know, I'm not, I'm not organized. (laughs) There's a lot of like six types of things of like getting your ducks in a row and, you know, uh, yeah. So, so those are things that I just have never related to. I've never been very organized. I've never been very good at keeping in touch with people. I've never been very loyal to institutions. Mm. Even, I, I, well, yeah, well, <laughs> you could, you could, there's some caveats to that, but yeah, I think, I think there is this thing about sixes and fear and sort of planning for the future and worrying about the future that I just didn't relate to, but maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. So and then what, what changed that making your make that's making you consider it now? Good question. Um, I think one of the things is like looking over the course of my life and seeing that ultimately I was, that's why Mace is rolling their eyes of like, uh, or making noises. <laughs> I don't know what, um, it, it, it turns out that in fact, I was very loyal to certain institutions and so we were thinking about this idea of like attachment theory and object relations and individuation. And it's like, am I actually as, a, as unattached or detached as I thought I was? Because I've, main, I've stayed in Christianity. I went to a private Christian school and immediately got married to another Christian woman who was also from a pastor's family like me and then instantly started working at a Presbyterian church, which is where I grew up. Went to a seminary that was very part of my background and lineage and then went to another Presbyterian church. So there was this sense that like, maybe I don't feel loyal internally and maybe I don't feel like a sense of, I can't, I can't really get in touch with a sense of like, I'm doing this to remain loyal or attached to my family. I don't, I don't feel like that's why I was doing it. Um, but I did it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it got to the point where it was almost unbearable. Like I was just like, I'm not, this isn't me. I'm not attached to these institutions and I don't want to be part of this Presbyterian church system anymore personally. Not that I would resent or judge anybody else that's doing that. But I, I I think there was a looking back and wondering like, how did I get to this point? Mm -hmm. Um, like my, my mind and my body put me in these places and got me here. (laughs) So I'm just trying to interrogate that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, did you leave? The church? Mm, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess <laughs> publicly on the podcast, I'm still wanting to be careful about how I talk about that. Um, I mean, uh, let, let me say, I, I, I will just say for the sake of this conversation, because I don't want to get distracted that yes, I left the church. I, I okay. I'll say for, for you and me and then I'll edit this out. Like I, I essentially got fired, but it was because I was making such a stink at this church and like criticizing everybody <laughs> and not, and not like playing the game or going by the rules, you know? And was that different to how you used to be? I was just in a different context. Like this was a new church setting for me. I only worked here for a little over three years. You know, the church okay. I worked at before that for 11 years, which is where my wife currently works, um, was just mostly very smooth and supportive. And I, at the time agreed with the way they were doing things. And so it's just a different situation. What do you want to say? Well, I'll just say, I feel like maybe 
you you've left quote unquote a church, but I feel like in a lot of ways you've still maintained your place in terms of the conversation of Christianity, mm-hmm. like your Christian adjacent or within the realms of Christianity, like your I feel like you've positioned yourself as being in dialogue with the Christian leaders and this group and this movement that is American Presbyterian Christianity. Mm. Like you're still, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're still participating, even if it is in a way of like pushing back, but it's not all right leaving. It's pushing back because you're a part of it. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. And um, where's the uh, indecision about, quote unquote, which type you are, actually? <sighs> That's a great question, too. Um, I, I guess uh, there, there's, there is a sense that we've been talking a lot about this. Like, uh, ultimately, I'm a nice person <laughs> and have a, a history and a reputation for being a nice person. Um, yep. And it, it seems like there's some people in the world who are questioning whether or not that's even possible for a five or that it would have been very hard for me to cultivate the sort of skill set of being kind or sunny. At, at the same time, I'm not really known for that in my own family. You know, I'm, I'm known for being more of a kind of a Debbie Downer almost, um, or moody. I get told I'm very moody by my family, um, mm-hmm. which obviously can be a six thing too. It could be an anybody thing, but um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm I'm wondering, like, uh, you know, I guess it's it's being said that uh, I, I have an ability to track. I listen well. I'm curious. Uh, I'm I make people feel comfortable, uh, mm-hmm. and this historically has been something I've done naturally. I mean, I look back at high school and. I was saying this to my family the other day, like I think this was emerging of sort of Christian values or something like that. But I, I, I made it a point to know as many people's names as possible and look them in the eye when I walked down the hall and call their name out by name. And, you know, I'd say hello to this person, hello to this person, hello to this person. And it's like, is that, can any type do that? Can I do that as a five? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I, I, I just remember feeling I, I don't remember feeling or can't get in, in touch with anything that was doing that out of fear. You know, I, I wasn't trying, I wasn't scared of people. I wasn't trying to get everybody to be warm towards me or like protect myself. I really felt like sort of this Christian imperative to share the love of Jesus with people, you know, and that's something that I got in my head and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Um, but I, but I think uh, I had a friend growing up who was always like told me I lived a charmed life. And it, that had nothing to do with money or circumstances. It, it, he seemed to be implying that um, I didn't have very many worries. And that was true. Like, I sort of just had a shoulder shrug approach to my daily life and my relationships. You know, to the point now, like, for example, like, Mace will look at my computer and see all my notifications that I never check. And I'm just like, ah, I, it's just been like... No stressful thing. <laughs> so th- I think that's what maybe he means by charm life, like this... I have a personality that mostly just sort of believe things are going to work out and you know, you get, you get to live life. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I could have been a little bit clearer in my answer, but <laughs> yeah. No, well, there's a, there's a lot to take into in that. Um, I should just say fives are perfectly capable of being warm. Um, but what you're describing about being, sunny or walking down the hallway smiling and waving at people even warm fives might not do that okay yeah (laughs) i can't picture fives i know doing that but they're perfectly capable of being um warm and loving and affectionate yeah yeah Yeah. nice exactly Mm um not to add a third type to the mix here um no let's do it what about your relationship with type nine <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh I think there's a there's something about me from my earliest memories consistently that likes to mess with people. 
You know, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any desire to keep the peace. I wish I could mess with people more than I do. Like I've always liked to stir people up. I I loved questioning my parents and seeing them get upset. And I was, I'm always been told by many people, like I need to drop it. I need to stop asking questions. I need to notice that, that I'm just disrupting the group or the people or the setting and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I have to work very hard to care about that. I, I, I mean, I, 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 in theory, philosophically, in all ways, care about caring about people. I don't want to be harmful, but I also am just like, we, we should, <laughs> we should. Uh, yeah, so I haven't historically been worried about like, oh, let's, like, let's keep the peace. Let's keep everything calm and chill and nice. And that, that's just never been something that I've been right. for. Yeah. So there's been like loyalty and friendliness, but not this blending or um, right. diminishment or not saying what you think. Right. Or, or, or like, I, I also don't mind attention. I, I have a hard time with like uh, attention from a large crowd all looking at me, but mm-hmm. I also don't mind being noticed. Um, and I feel yeah. like you're not like also aggressively seeking to be noticed. Yeah, it's I mean, I like being like, noticed in a low-key way. You know, like, I, I like being noticed for a weird hat I have on or something like that or something I said that was interesting, you know. Um, I, mm-hmm. Ben, you're doing the typing, but I would just feel like it's interesting. I feel like your relationship to authority might be something to talk about because I feel like you have a, a very interesting relationship to authority. Yeah. Yeah. What's there? Um, that's what I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like, uh, I've been, maybe, maybe this is a six like thing, sort of ambivalent, you know, on the one hand seeking authority figures out and then at the one hand and then the very next step or hand or whatever, like criticizing that authority. Um, so part of me wonders, is that a six wing thing? Is it a, is it a head type thing? Is it a fear type thing? Is it a five like thing? Um, I, at the same time, I'm, I, if I'm trying to be honest, there hasn't been a deep, consistent need to stay close to any of these authority figures. Um, you know, I, it, my, sort of my default is that months and years can go by without me talking to someone and I'm fine. You know, I remember leaving for college and somebody had to be like, you haven't talked to your mom in three months. Like what's going on? And I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. Right. Sure. Okay. Call my mom. And I'm like, yeah, you know, okay. And then it's like another three months. And this Mm -hmm. seems to be a pattern with me with a lot of people. It's like, it's been two years, you know, I'm like, really? (laughs) Um, so I, I don't feel like I ultimately latched on or have latched on to authority figures, but I do have like sort of a, a deep suspicion of authority. I could, I could say that. Um, does that sound right? Suspicion of authority, questioning of authority, desire mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. high standards of people in authority. I think high standards yeah. of people in authority might be a thing. Like, I feel like you really got uh, your early authority. Like bosses were really like profoundly, uh, profoundly like good people who were like provided a really great example of authority. And I feel like you just leaned into that. Yeah. And then I feel like in other situations when authority figures were not that it was like, a, you couldn't buy into it. Yeah. Like if you didn't trust the authority, there was no buy-in. Am I wrong in that? Or very little buy-in. Very little buy-in. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's, uh, what about the idea of letting people down? I have to work very hard to wake myself up to caring about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, I don't want to let people down and it does, I guess I, I don't predict how and when it's going to happen. So I'm always surprised that I've let someone down and I care when they tell me I've let them down and I want to apologize. But my focus of attention as I go about my day is not, really thinking about, am I letting anybody down? And I think my default is if I do, that's not my, 
problem. There's probably something you need to work out. <laughs> and I don't agree with that necessarily, but I'm, I'm, I, I think I've, I said this, like there's been this energy of the world sort of clapping in my face and trying to wake me up and be like, you let that person down. You let me down. You didn't do this thing. You didn't follow through on this. You said this, you're not, you're not caring enough. And I'm like, Oh, well I do. I do want to care. So let me work on that. But, um, it, yeah, there's sort of a, it's not, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's in my field of vision in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, what kinds of situations will put you in a tailspin? Hmm. Like emotional, like uh, there's no good way out of this. That's what I've thought about maybe a sexual five. Like I think the few times that I get activated is when I'm having a disagreement with a significant person in my life. But Mm -hmm. that only happens with about four or five people tops historically. Mm -hmm. Um, It happens frequently with Mace. It happens a lot with my wife. It happens with my kids. It happens with my friend Sean sometimes. (laughs) Um, So it's happened with my brothers a few times as an adult, but um, what's usually going on in those? Like, what are you believing about them or the situation? Well, that's I've related to what they've said about a sexual five of of like, I have a a very high expectation of intimates. And so I want this, I want there to be a connection. um, And I don't like feeling like we're not on the same page or gosh, what is it? Cause it does feel like a tailspin of sorts. Like that, that's a helpful, like I'm losing, I'm losing it. Um, uh, I don't, I really, really don't like being misunderstood. If mm-hmm. I'm in a, if I'm in a conversation where somebody says, you said this and you think this and you did this and I'm like, you're totally wrong. And there is a deep desire to, to have them understand exactly what I mean. And then maybe a deep sort of anger at them not understanding or working hard to understand. And so then, then it just becomes a tailspin. I mean, cause then, cause then that energy is obviously ramping up a, an argument or a disagreement or mm-hmm. something. And then we're both, but that's where I can sort of lose perspective. But other than that, like throughout the day in general, I'm not like, well, what, so yeah. when, when you're stuck, like, what do you want from other people? Like, what would, what helps you? To be heard and to be listened to. Like, I, I've told Mace, like, you know, it's a very simple thing. Um, I think sometimes people want to comfort me or soothe me with words. And I notice some people do that. And I can, I can, in the moment, experience it and see them objectively and say they're trying very hard to be nice. But yeah. there's something inside of me that wants to say, be quiet and let me talk. Like, I want to tell you and I need to get these, these thoughts and ideas out of my mind and I need you to at least not agree with them, but hear them and understand. You don't have to agree. But that's why I get so mad when people aren't willing to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Looked like Mace was going to say something. Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to, I mean, this is a different kind of tailspin, but what about getting stuck? Would that be... There's been times where I've like just gotten flooded. stuck. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been unique to the podcast in the sense of like, well, yeah, maybe let's, let's pause and come back to that. Yeah. Because I, I would want his reaction to what I yeah, 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 just yeah. said. Because that's a whole other, <laughs> I was going to get going on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so my like interpretations of what you're saying sounds like as in terms of the instincts that social might be low. Mm-hmm even as a blind spot and that the reason for this like maintaining connection still is because you're a six and sixes do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so six with blind social seems to line up from what I'm hearing. Mm. Um, and uh, in terms of the, the, like the moodiness and how the emotionality comes up and uh, what helps it sounds like you're an emotional realness type, which are fours and sixes and eights. Mm-hmm. And um, like wanting to be heard and like just wanting to, you know, talk and be listened to is 
what the emotional realness types are all about, mm-hmm. which a six would be about. A five is more likely to um, retreat and want to be able to completely take care of it on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a competency type. They're very much about like, I can do this. I don't need anyone's help in this. I'm going to figure it out and find the solution. So just leave me in my study. And sixes are like, will you effing listen to what I have to say? Yeah. 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 That's, that's the vibe. So there it is. We did it. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah. What were you gonna say? Uh, well, we can, we can maybe get into this after you respond, but, um, I just wanted to go back to the idea about fear or the, the not relating to the fear. Yeah. We can come back in a minute. Okay. Uh, to, to the fear. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and what do you, what should I be talking about now? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I was, I'm just thinking in terms of tailspin. I don't, oh, tailspin. Oh, getting I, stuck. Yeah. I, I mean, and maybe this isn't even a thing and you don't really have to talk about, but I, I feel like there's two different ways that like you tailspin and maybe I'm just thinking of it. It's like, I think talk closer to your mic because <laughs> we're in an <laughs> echoey room. Um, there's, there's that one, which is I think probably the truest of the tailspins, but there is like a flooded by information or like a, a general stuckness. Like we've talked a bit about this. Um, like in, even thinking like in our house. And I think that might be indicating of the social thing, like a social stuckness too. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, there's there are times where I just get stuck and I think I get overwhelmed and I don't know how to participate in a way that I feel is going to be productive. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I'm thinking of all the things I can say and do in this moment and it seems like dead ends all around. So I'm just, somebody's like, how are you doing? What are you thinking? And I'm like, I am lots of things, but nothing that I'm thinking seems like it's going to be helpful in any way. So I've just, it's like shutting shut down. down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's shut down, but there's a lot of chaos happening inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like you can tell. You can see <laughs> that it's there, but it's like trying to draw it out. It's It only makes it worse, I think, trying to draw it out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think if I sensed a true receptivity to anything that I was feeling, then it wouldn't be bad. But I can sense, yeah. I, fee- I sense a non-receptiveness. Yeah. And I feel like the drawing out is almost a trap. It's mm-hmm. like you're you're just looking for information where you can now use it against me. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say I'm gonna I'm thinking this, and somebody's gonna say, "Well, it's not valid that you're thinking that." Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, so I don't want to participate. But mm-hmm. if I sensed a real, we really want to know what you're thinking. Oh wow! Oh interesting. You know, right? No, I, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to that original tailspin of like, yeah. if you're not gonna give me the chance to really say what I'm trying to say, then I'm just not gonna say anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very true, fundamental Scott energy, <laughs> whatever whatever that means. <laughs> it's I mean yeah. the word I often use, even in my own house, is like pouting. You know, there's mm-hmm. there seems like a little bit of a pouting energy, folding my mm-hmm. arms, not literally, but inside, kind of folding my arms and scowling and being like I'm not playing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what you're describing sounds a lot like angst Mm. the sixth passion Mm. Um, just i've got all these options or things i could say or do and it doesn't feel like any of them are quite right and i don't know how to find the right one and also i I don't really want to make things worse or make a mistake but i'd like to stop having all this chaos in my head that would be nice Mm. but instead i can't do that so i just feel stressed and then i start getting snappy with people yeah. because I can't get all the stress out of my head. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's that's exactly right. And I think mm. there are times that Mesa's experience, which feels six-ish in, in terms of I say, what what's your advice on how should I proceed? Like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. take any route. Yeah. T- tell me what route it would work, and I'll do that. It, it feels very practical, you know? Like if I'm getting really emotional and I'm upset and it's like, if I'm upset about something that you've done or something, there is this mode of like, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Tell me what I can do that will help you. And I'm, then I'm like, I don't know. But, <laughs> but there is this like, Scott's like, I'll do anything. Like I will, if it's you talking more about it, then we'll do that. If it's us talking about something else, we can do that. But like, whatever you want, I will, we can, how can we somehow 
find a way for at the end of this for us to like see each other. And you're very willing to go down lots of paths in order for that to happen. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, if, if Mace is a four um, and Scott is a six, those are both emotional realness types. And like what both those types basically need to do first before they can get to any kind of solving is to cough up the hairball. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Gosh, that's good. Which <laughs> cough up the hairball. Who's to say if match. I'm a four or a nine, but this emotional realness thing, that's what happens between us. Yeah. We get into this space where we both are desperately needing each other to hear and understand us. Yeah. And and see and see each other. And I think sometimes we can get to it, but sometimes we're so caught up in the fact that you are not seeing me that I cannot see you. Yeah. It's like the do you know Martin Buber's I Thou um, concept? Well, I, I won't get into it, but it's essentially this. Well, I won't get into it. And then starts <laughs> here we go. Let me get into it. <laughs> but it's kind of this idea of like you can have relationships where it's like I thou is what you're striving for. It's where you see your whole self and then thou you see the whole other and you see the holistic thing. But you can get yourself in situations where it's like it thou. So I'm nothing and this other person, I see their whole self or I it and so it's like, I'm the I, but you've just become an it. And I think an object or a an thing. object or a thing. And then sometimes it's like it, it situations. And I think sometimes we can both get into this place where it's, or I can all just own that. I can get into a place where I'm like, I, it, like I'm not being seen and I need to really, really be seen. And in my not being seen, I make you an it until you see me kind of thing. And we have to move towards being like, like I'm, uh, were I thou? Like, what can we do to do the I thou thing? Like, I'm just sort of this machine that is meant to see. Yeah. So you're like, put yeah. in this, put in the, put in the coin and see me. Yeah. Come on, push the button. Exactly. And I'm like, and I don't have the capacity. I mean, I do have the capacity, but it feels in the moment and it takes training to mm-hmm. develop the capacity to know that while I'm trying to be understood, you may also be not being understood. I think there's something for both of us that feels utterly outrageous and unfair that anybody would have to conceal an emotion. Yeah. I just like, yeah. why? I remember from a very early age, I'd, I'd cry at recess and, and boys would try to make fun of me. And I'm like, I'm crying. So what? Like, this is a real emotion. So there's no problem. I can't even sense like why I wouldn't share this, you know? <laughs> I mean, so it sounds like that I thou is really, it's just the difference between two human beings relating versus two object relations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's we're present or we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. <laughs> that was a quick way of saying quick it. Way of saying. <laughs> um, we're going to get tattoos of it one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, maybe what another thing too is like, I also don't want to lean into these stereotypes of a six like a six is always responsible a six is always paying attention to details a six loves spreadsheets a a six loves calendaring it's like well yeah my favorite thing about sixes it's like you can say those things it's like okay sixes are always responsible until they're not right (laughs) in the opposite direction um like you were talking about seeking authority and then criticizing authority, the the believing doubting is so much a part of being a six that that's what the fixation is. Mm. Yeah. Um, And that feels very true to me. It's, it's, I think, um, you know, this is another classic me thing that Marissa, my wife has gotten very confused about is I'll, I'll like charm people at parties. Cause it's just my, I'm like, it's my mm -hmm. default thing. I'm like, this is just, I guess what being a human is. And (laughs) It just happens where it's like, uh, uh, I guess anybody, men and women in particular, but men because at parties, I guess typically I'm supposed to talk to other men, but you know, I'll like, we'll talk and and they'll be like, we should get together sometime. Let's exchange information. And we're like, okay. And I'm like, okay, well, it'll be really nice to talk to you sometime. And Marissa, you know, we leave and she goes, you're never going to call that guy. I'm like, no, I'm not going to respond to his phone calls either. (laughs) But I did a thing where I, drummed up the energy and I, and I don't, I guess I don't know what to do with it. It does feel sort of ambivalent. I'm like, I did want to be nice. I did want to have that conversation, but now I definitely don't want to ever have that conversation again or be friends with that person. <laughs> well, so like it, like dominant sexual instinct, blind social instinct. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go merge, have this cool experience, meet somebody, be friendly. And then 
leave. Yeah. It's kind of like the social equivalent of a one night stand. Yeah. Like, oh, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, when you say it that way, it, it almost, it, even in this conversation and even with conversation with big hormone, I could just sense in my spirit that you really got me right there. Hmm. Like I felt really understood. Um, which is sweet, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's true. That's a very true thing to myself. I think even that language of a one night stand, it almost feels that way. It's like, I am enjoying myself. I am caught up in the moment, but, uh, yeah. that's, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. Six. Scott's a six. <laughs> Just like that. So, I, like, what about that fear thing? Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe, um, I think maybe it could be one of those classic Enneagram things of there's maybe a low grade fear that you live with that you assume everybody has, but maybe you do realize maybe not, maybe not everybody's carrying around this much fear as I am. So mm-hmm. it's hard to identify. It's like this thing that I've lived with. I mean, Mace asked me a question that was supposed, that was from some sort of Enneagram exercise about like, you know, you picture yourself in a sealed off room with no windows or doors what's your first reaction? And I was like, terror, uh, utter terror. Like, yeah, like he was, it was so visceral, your response. It was like yeah. instant terror. <laughs> and I still can get in that headspace. I'm like, I was like, I like the idea of like a void, like nothing or space or expansion. That doesn't scare me, but like being closed in and no windows and doors, that sounds utterly terrifying. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of heights. I will, I will never, jump out of an airplane. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, and then I guess I just think, isn't everybody this afraid? Like, I, I, isn't everybody afraid to jump out of an airplane? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you also mentioned, um, like you don't really get the letting people down piece except when it comes to intimates, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I definitely never want to let Mace down and I work pretty hard on not letting Mace down. And, there and if, and if I say you've let me down, it's like, you really are like, it it hits you hard. Yeah. Which I think that this is another piece of like sexual six maybe or something like you really do have your like five people you're loyal to. And it's pretty clear. Like I think from the outside world and from the, like being on the inside, like I'm like, Oh, I'm in the, I'm in the realm of the loyal group, you know? And like you're loyal to other pieces, but there is this like very clear, it's not ambivalent like who's in the inner circle. No, 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 no. It's not ambivalent at all. And it's like, you will answer phone calls from your wife every single time. You'll respond every single text. Someone else could not at all. Yeah. It's not on my radar. But if it's Marissa, it's like you would drop anything and answer the phone call. Yeah. Or my kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be a place where the the passion of, I think angst is a better word than fear. Mm -hmm. Angst or... Mm -hmm doubt also mm-hmm. like never mm-hmm. feeling like we're quite connected enough or that I'm going to let them down somehow or like something's going to happen or they're going to suddenly leave or they're going to be mad at me or whatever it is. Oh, it's um, totally true. I mean, even before, even before yeah. this, we started this interview, like I had had a little bit of a tense moment with my wife, Marissa, and a part of what I had to leave to go up there to check if we're good, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm very concerned about that. Yeah. You guys are, huh. you guys, you guys, this is really fun that you guys are both sixes. <laughs> You're jumping right to, I'm still going to think oh, about I'm it for so a few sorry. days. I'm so sorry. Maybe not, but like <laughs> there's, there's some funness about you guys of are course. both sixes. <laughs> um, I think, I think one, another thing that I mean might be helpful. I'm just going to keep using vague terms. Like there are some teachers out there. There are some Enneagram folks who would, who are calling into question traditional understandings of these subtypes. So they're saying, you know, I'm trying to read the descriptions in wisdom of the Enneagram or Beatrice's book or Helen Palmer's book. And it's like, um, they, they resonate a little bit with me for being like a sexual six. Um, Mm-hmm. But then the, these other teachers are saying, well, sexual type is not w- about one-to-one or intimacy. It's literally just about sex. And that's what a sexual type is. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's totally true. Um, oh I, I don't think either of those are true. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Um, I think there's a lot of problems with the traditional understanding of the instincts, especially the sexual instinct. Um, intimacy, I, I like what Russ has to say about this. Intimacy is not a quality of an instinct. It's a quality of the heart. Mm. Hmm. A lot of folks over the years have identified as sexual dominant because they like intimacy and deep conversations and having partners Yeah, um, and connecting with people. But those are heart to heart conversations, not sex to sex kind of, you're not talking with your, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, but it's also not only about sex either. Like this instinct is about attraction and broadcasting and mm-hmm. finding good people to pair up with. It is certainly also about sex and finding a mate and reproducing, um, it's a totally different thing than the self-pres, for instance. Like you're not, there are some or- organisms who literally die right after they have sex. Like that was the, like it is contrary to self-pres sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also about pushing the envelope and like evolution. It's the evolutionary and creative impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of, a lot of creativity can be unleashed when we stop suppressing this drive. Um, and there's plenty of ways to live it and express it and have friendships and whatnot that don't involve mashing our genitals together. <laughs> uh, so how would you how would you distinguish, I guess, between the six subtypes, like a sexual six or a social six or a self pres six? Well, Isn't you that- can look at it and then you can look at the instinct. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, like social is going to be social people in general are going to be preoccupied with um, bonding, making sure their networks are strong. Uh, you know, like the, the social evolved with needing to raise kids. Um, so it's, it's making like making sure my tribe is doing okay. And uh, six social sixes is kind of a double whammy because um, sixes are the loyalist. And so there's certain things that they're going to be loyal to. Um, a sexual dominant six might be more preoccupied with a few particular relationships. A social six is really going to be in um, maybe involved in a bunch of different organizations. They're trying to get support from those places. Um, and then a self-pres six, maybe somewhere in, in the middle. Um, I'm, I'm a self-pres six and like, I sounds like I have maybe a wider uh, net than Scott but less wide than my social six friends who are like, for example, in the democratic party and um, like have tons of affiliations. Mm. Do I have a lot of affiliations? You have so many affiliations, but I feel like that might be partially just from being married to like to Marissa, who also has a lot of affiliations, but like, I mean, I feel like, you know, so many people. I don't, I don't enjoy maintaining affiliations. Yeah. Like I definitely would want to have less affiliations, (laughs) you know, it doesn't, it's something that I felt sort of, uh, an obligation to, again, Mm -hmm. I I guess as like a Christian growing up, it's like, you have to, you have to do these things. And I was like, okay, but I'm doing it totally half ass and begrudgingly in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Um, I would just add something. Um, another one of my, favorite things that Russ says is like, it doesn't really matter what your subtype is. Um, in, in the same way that when we're doing any kind of Enneagram work, we want to be focused on what, what is actually going to help us wake up for one yeah, thing. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Not getting bogged down in all, all the details. And so when it comes to the instincts, what is my habitual relationship with these drives? Hmm is my habitual relationship with these drives, not which one am I? Cause that might even change. Hmm. We're not sure. How, but how are they running my life that I'm in ways that I'm not noticing? Hmm. How do I sacrifice certain parts of my life on the altar of these instincts? <clears throat> for I mean, me, like yeah. relationships often suffer for the sake of making sure the self praise is taken care of. Other people are going to do something different. Yeah, I think I think in the past I've gotten myself into trouble by prioritizing a conversation or a relationship over other pressing things that I probably should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in the early days, 
I guess when I didn't, it was like almost back to the beginning for me these days in terms of my own schedule and my own accountability. In the early days when I was working for Young Life, I also had very little accountability. So I could pace my days how I wanted. And if I was having a conflict with Marissa, right, all my to-dos sort of went out the door for the day. I'm like, well, we're going to talk about this for two hours if needed. And I'm actually going to text that person. I'm missing the meeting and I'm going to not get back to that email because this is the most important thing. And I even think in the early days of COVID, there were a lot of things that I was skipping out on to go on these walks with you, you know? Yeah. That's probably true. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, walk, yeah, whatever. That's this the priority. Stuff. It can wait. Yeah. Well, and I think like your dream at like a party and this is something that's, cause I'm probably a social instinct. Um, like I wouldn't necessarily, you have a dream of like, me walking in, you're at this big party, or Marissa or someone, one of your intimates walking in and saying, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's like, like the most romantic thing. Like, or the it doesn't thing. matter if I'm in the middle of this thing. There's no obligation here. Like, you and I were leaving, and, like, that's, like, high, highly appealing to you. Yeah, yeah, very much. The most. The most. <laughs> yeah, there's something very valiant or something. I don't know, like, there's something, there's something that just feels really cool about the, 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 the exhibitionism of the whole thing, like very publicly, not even privately, like publicly saying I'm choosing you and we're going to go Bye, everybody. We're going to go have our own thing. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) And, 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 and if people are sort of rattled by that or I'm like even better, I'm like, yeah, you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely, it's like, it's funny as we name these things, like things I can count on from you and I can count on, like if some conflict's happening, you will be so present to it Yeah. until we work through it. But it's kind of what you're saying too, is paying attention to how these drives run our lives. Yeah. I do let a lot of things, other pressing things fall, fall away for the sake of those types of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually... I, in my opinion, better to think about most of the Enneagram like that because, like, we have all this stuff. And the whole problem in the first place is that we take our gifts and our issues to be our identity. Yeah. We're stuck holding on to those or trying to work through them or being convinced we're never going to work through them. And it's like, no, all this stuff is happening and it's not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what's you. <laughs> yeah. Let's get in the way of you. That's another huge takeaway. Another huge takeaway from this conversation. Yeah. And yeah. I think that. It's, it's, Good to know to see yourself honestly. That's what the Enneagram is good for. Like, all right, well, fuck, I'm pegged. Okay, yeah. there's my shit all lined up on a page. Yeah. It's not me. Right. Also. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of how maybe some of these conversations in terms of the blitz is are panning out of like, I do agree with this idea that we have experienced with some other conversations where um it would be silly to get defensive of, about your personality or your type. If somebody says, Hey, maybe you're not a six and you're like, no, 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 I am. I am. You know, and you're like, Hey, <laughs> we're just <laughs> kicking around a different idea, you know? And, and then even discovering a sense of pride and identity in your type probably seems a little not very productive. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, it's almost just like it's building up that persona. In a way. Right. Well, it's nice to know what's what's good about it. Mm-hmm. Like that can really help us swallow all the crappy things we're going to have to push through. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like like you said, like um, taking being being prideful about it, I'd say, yeah. is a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I'm That's sick, a good so I'm always responsible. Well, okay. Until you're not. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things responsible as until you're not. I really like that. <laughs> I think one of the things that has resonated with me as I've explored sixes is just how much variety there is in that type, and I'm sure there's variety in every type. But like, um, there also seems to be, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess I'm just only speaking for myself, sort of an inconsistent inconsistency of thought and habits. Like it's like one day I'm this, the other day I'm that one day I'm saying this and thinking this, the next day I'm contradicting myself and I don't even, I can't even get a hold on (laughs) what it is I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is really good. I mean, um, 
what, what I guess there's just we have you, the wizard, here, and we're talking about some of these things. One of the things I have been eager to talk, and are you liking the direction of this conversation? Oh, I totally am. Um, I totally am. I, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm personally just like, we had an interesting conversation before we started recording where Ben questioned if I was a nine, actually. And so I'm just like, <laughs> in my head, still a little reeling from that. This journey. <laughs> I, I think maybe it's like you're notifying the audience that on the horizon may be another <laughs> exploration <laughs> of four and nine. Yeah, um, and I think as we're talking, I just I just want to name, like, we've done a lot of different typing things, and it's really, I think, part of this journey of our Blitz has been kind of talking with different teachers and the way people type, and I, I'll just say I've, like, really enjoyed this experience. Like, I feel like you've gotten a lot of chance to, like, express your inner world mm. through this. Um, so mm. I just, like, I'm just noting this has been, I think, really fruitful, and I think people will enjoy this. So you guys know. are both really good listeners. <laughs> you guys create a good space to have these conversations. Um, but I think, uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, I, I was thinking about the idea of tri types mm-hmm. and like how, how, how significant or interested are you in tri types, Ben? <laughs> um, I will mention it if someone is um, very adamant about not being a particular type. Yeah. I think it's a useful tool kind of at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, well, like, here's another way to think about this. Here's how these three types might interact with each other. Mm. Um, Certainly not a tri-types adherent or scholar, um, and I don't care that much (laughs) about them. I... I, uh, <clears throat> there's a way all of these categorizations and attempts to come up with theories and all of this stuff is like a smokescreen that gets mm-hmm. in the way of what this work is about. Mm-hmm. And it's not about It's not about finding a bunch of labels and sticking them on. And there's also this risk of like, we're, we're discovering like the self we're taken, we've taken ourselves to be. And then finding a bunch of reasons to believe that, narrow that down and get it really specific. So we have something concrete to try to hold on to even harder. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's what I've been doing. Here's a more awake way of being that I want to move toward. Um, and then like you could, I think you could do a lot more if I could leave a message with anybody. It's like, get, get the basics and then get to work. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Don't get, don't get too stuck in, in naming all these things. I think, I think there's like an allure of like the fun intellectual journey of it. Like, I think that there's this like really fun allure of like figuring out types and seeing the dynamics and looking at all these pieces that I know I'm drawn into that like it's almost like its own way of distracting it's like oh look at me I'm doing self-work but really all I'm doing is like distracting Mm -hmm. myself with theories and ideas and like yeah because now I'm sort of obsessed with like really getting into the root of are we or are we like Naranjo people? Are we Gertrudean people? Are it's like, we? what kind of people are we? Which I think. Oh, go ahead, Ben. All of this stuff is skillful means, basically. Like as I see it, you if if you get into the Enneagram through your head center, then great. Like I want curiosity to drive people in there. I'm glad people are writing and thinking about it. If you come in from some random book coming up with a theory I've never heard of, then great. Um, then we need to start to deepen that. Like most of us, most of the stuff that's going on in internet forums, for example, is we are getting stuck in our head and then looking for people to validate that basically we are what we're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we forget about the whole heart dimension and the body dimension and what are we actually going to do? Like what is the capital W work that needs to happen here? Finding more facts about myself is not going to help me grow after a certain point. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, I need that, to hear that, this. I think that's another oh, good pivot <laughs> for us is like really helping drive a conversation about the work. 
Right, which I think is kind of, I mean, we'll tease this out, but like, I feel like that's the work of the hidden point that we'll hopefully be doing with you is more of like work driven. Um, Mm -hmm. Which you were mentioning this earlier, and I think it might be fun to talk about this idea of like, because we've been talking a lot about typing and we did this whole thing with Scott typing, but you were saying essentially like, I'd love for you to extrapolate for listeners like this idea of like the basics um, that you're talking about. Can I just say one thing about the work as Ben thinks? Sure. I think that's another thing that I want to say to listeners and could be a good thing for me. And you seem to have sort of a visceral reaction to this. It's like if I am a six that is convinced myself I'm a five and then I'm a six attempting to go to eight in health, quote unquote, it's kind of exacerbating the problem. I think sometimes with my own family, especially, but even you, Mace, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eight. Right. I'm taking this ambivalent, angsty emotion and I'm going to ramp it up. Look how healthy I am. I'm going to eight, you know, and it's actually like that's not it. That's and when I when I said to Mace, I'm like, well, can you can you picture me going to nine in health? And Mace was like, oh, it'd be so nice if you went to nine. That I would be like, so good for you. I was like, wow, <laughs> yes. So in terms of the work, I feel like, yeah, I, I think that might actually be, I've I've the when I've thought about that over the last few weeks, and there's been moments where I'm like, what would it feel like to go to nine right now? I feel like it would be good for me and everybody involved. Like I'm like, this would actually. Mm-hmm. do a lot of good right now in me going to nine and in the past, like going to eight hasn't served me well in any situation. <laughs> no. And it's always felt like, yeah, you are supposed to go to eight and please don't though. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's, there is like a little bit of like, okay, I guess that might be your path and I want to trust it, but there's a little scariness to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really good end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> if your integration disaster or direction is a disaster. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Which I, that's the thing where I'm like nine to three feels not like a disaster. Four to one feels like not a disaster. A disaster. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one I could use more. Yeah. Dang. Okay. What well, were you going to guide the conversation towards something? With oh, ben? I was oh. inviting Ben to talk about the like, cause Cause we were having this conversation where I'm like, I have, I'm flooded with ideas around what my type is. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of saying, let's get back to the basics. Um, yeah. Maybe that would be a w- good way to leave the audience with this conversation. Just a reminder of the basics. We all kind of want to skip to the end um, and figure out the fun way or the fun strategy that's going to get us to the beautiful person that we want to be. And uh, how many of us are willing to just shut up and sit down and actually be with ourselves for a little while? And every type needs to do that. And they all have slightly different ways of, um, accessing that uh four and nine actually have something in common and that they really need to just spend some time getting in touch with their body mm-hmm. and um for for going to one uh a, a practice practice of doing that and this is something that don riso who is a four would do uh is go for a run every day like just bringing in that healthy discipline and the body at the same time some kind of practice and it doesn't really matter what it is this is another thing Russ says that I like. It doesn't matter what it is as long as you do it. Hmm. Um, for And you, yeah. Uh, more thinking, more ideas, more feelings for a four is not going to be very helpful. Uh, for a six, it's like we're, we're really trying to just go with the quiet mind. And speaking as a six, that is often the last thing I want to do. I would rather find something peaceful, relatively productive, whatever to do. Like I'd rather wash the dishes or I'd rather go for a walk, but what's actually going to get me somewhere is sitting on my ass. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just remembering something from my training. Uh, Like speaking of inner work, Russ was talking about, imagine 
you've got like two, two doors and on one door is you're going to sit with yourself for several hours. Uh, and, and the other door is you're going to try all this trans dancing and um, psychedelic drugs and a bunch of interesting theories and famous speakers and which of those doors is going to have a longer line. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Versus which one's actually going to get you somewhere. <laughs> there's my spiel that's a great image that's a you really simplified it too yeah which is i think what we're sort of needing right now i think so i think that's yeah. why we're like we want to take a break from the enneagram and i guess maybe it is like take a break from the enneagram and sit with ourselves mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we we don't need to keep there's so much information out there we have a lot of information already to work with you yeah. don't need to keep going for more. I think we should wind down this episode, but then talk to Ben a little bit more when we put the mics down. <laughs> um, everybody, I guess this is a podcast hosted by a six. And now we're back to not really quite knowing what Mace is, but we'll, we'll <laughs> we're thinking nine, but we don't know. Um, uh. Join us on our journey. And uh, just so you know, heads up for everybody, we are going to be doing a series with Ben. And I think it's mm-hmm. going to be Mason Ben for mm-hmm. a while um, talking about this. What is it again? The hidden? The hidden point. The hidden point. Um, I actually call it the missing piece. Oh, missing so piece. sorry. I don't know why I call it the hidden point. <laughs> hidden point, missing piece. <laughs> That's a good name too, but yeah. it, it does look like the missing piece. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, there's probably another, you know, this Enneagram Blitz, there's probably another episode to click on right now, and we'll, we're going we're gonna to have a, a probably wrapping it up, mm-hmm. like reflections on this Blitz. But yeah. that's not what's happening right now. Right now we're just talking about it. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>